right. Thanks for tuning in to Katie and Kay. It's time for Ask the Vet, uh, where we sit down with vet professionals and uh, we just kind of talk about you know, hot topics. Um, today, uh, my name is Darren, by the way. I'm a certified veterinary nurse. Um, and with me today, I have Dr. Jen Davis. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Darren. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Um, so today's topic, it's a little bit of a heavy topic, um, but I feel like it's a pretty important topic. Um, so with you know, the pandemic and just in general, when we are adopting out all these pets, these puppies, these kittens, all that good stuff, um, you know, it's a happy time and everything. Uh, but something I think that kind of gets a little bit forgotten is kind of thinking about end of life stuff. Um, I think it's a pretty important topic to cover. Yeah, I agree. Um, this is a, a tough thing that nobody wants to think about. And I think that as your pet's aging and talking about a plan and thinking about what you want that end of life to look like um, mm-hmm. can help you feel a little more in control uh, when the time comes. So. I agree. Yeah. So I guess let's just go ahead and dive into it. So um, probably one of the most common things that we see is... I would say those um, terminal diseases, uh, those illnesses that, you know, they don't really have a cure, but we can make them comfortable. Um, so what's something, what are some strategies or some tips that you would give to kind of help with coping with, you know, an initial diagnosis? Yeah. So whether you know that your pet is sick and you go into the veterinarian and get some bad news that confirms your fears or sometimes people have no idea that there's anything wrong with their pet. And unfortunately, we might find something and have to have some difficult conversations. So before you even consider <clears throat> euthanasia, death, grief, um, you need some coping skills when you get some bad news. So a lot of emotions. We see a lot of different emotions. So sadness, disbelief, shock. Anger, guilt, helplessness, all of those are normal responses. Um, Everyday activities can seem difficult when you've Mm -hmm. gotten all of this on your mind. So these are just some strategies to consider if you've received a terminal diagnosis for your pet. Um, Taking notes when -hmm. you're in the vet clinic. um, I think we tend to shut down when we're getting bad news and nothing, we can't remember anything. So, and bringing a friend or a family member with you to the appointment, uh, they mm-hmm. can often help you <clears throat> remember things. Um, information straight. <laughs> and reflect on how you've coped in the past with difficult things. You have gotten through bad things your whole life. And so maybe just reflecting back on what got you through other difficult situations. Mm-hmm. Um, Also considering treatment expenses and how realistically you can financially deal with with your pet's current situation. Uh, We always talk about considering your pet's quality of life. We'll go into that a lot more detail later. And another thing that we'll talk about is considering your own quality of life when you get a a terminal diagnosis with your pet. So how much of your own time are you going to have to spend with your pet? Um, again, the costs, um, if you want, choose to treat, um, a disease and then really considering what other responsibilities do you have in your life besides your pet, your family, your job, parents, 
other, you know, other um, responsibilities. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think those are all great tips, um, especially if you know you're going through this this hard hard time for sure. Um, just really quick as a quick reminder, this is a call-in show. So if you have any questions, uh, go ahead and give us a call. Number here is 963-2976. Um, kind of moving on to, I guess the next bulletin point is, um, oops, excuse me, um, that quality of life we were talking about, um, you know, in the midst of this illness. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about quality of life, what would be some big points that you would cover as far as the quality of life scaling? And Yeah. So we just, as veterinarians try to remember that, you know, your pet the best and you are, you are the expert regarding Mm -hmm. their quality of life. So, um, if there are other people that also love your animal, um, they can be really helpful as well. Um, sometimes emotions will kind of cloud what's really going on with your pet so if you have other people that know your pet um well and enjoy spending time with your pets they can be a really good sounding board and a more um just out outside opinion on what's going on with your pet so um some things to start thinking about um when your pet is sick um just kind of take a moment and decide how you would define quality of life in terms of living with quality. So if you can truthfully answer some questions like, is your pet eating and drinking normally? So normally would be the big, (laughs) the big one there. Um, Can your pet go outside to poop and pee? Are they, you know, having a dignified life um, in that way? Um, can your pet move around on its own? If it's uncomfortable, can it actually get up and turn around and, and get to the place it wants to go? Um, is your pet interested in, in activities that are going on um, around it? <clears throat> and how engaged or withdrawn is your pet much of the time? So, gotcha. um, And another thing to really, people very much question us if their pet is in pain. Mm-hmm. So, And that's a hard one, but... Um, it, it can be helpful to understand the difference between pain and suffering um, when you're making these assessments. So pain is a physical and emotional sensation. It can be very complicated to assess. Um, pets' reactions to pain are dependent on the pet and the degree of pain, but your veterinary can help you with some of those signs. Right. Suffering is actually more than the physical part. Um, it involves the ability to enjoy living life. So if you are asking yourself all these questions and considering quality of life, um, that's where suffering comes in, is enjoying life. Um, so yeah. we need to be cognizant of that. For so. sure. So if we have, like, our happy-go-lucky golden retriever that's just, you know, he used to be, like, he's crazy. He's running around all the time. And, you know, now he's to this point where he really doesn't like eating, which is, like, golden retriever's thing. <laughs> Um, you know, if they're like at that point where they're not eating, they're not romping around like they used to, they're not chasing the tennis ball. Um, I think that's definitely a good point to make is if they're not really enjoying the things that they used to do, then we need to kind of take a step back and reevaluate. And that can be something like creating a list of things that your pet really, Mm -hmm. your, their unique qualities. So chasing a ball, playing with the other dogs, greeting you at the door, their toys, 
exercising with you, um, any normal habits, kitties with a scratching post or crawling up onto the top mm -hmm. shelf or above the refrigerator. Um, if you, as your pet's disease progresses and these qualities start to fade, you can kind of mark them off your list. Right and decide early on um, how many you are going to allow to go before too much quality is diminishing from their day-to-day -day life. Right. Um, calendars are good, too, like a good day, bad day. Um, if you have your list and you can evaluate what a good day looks like for your pet and mm -hmm. also what a bad day looks like, and each evening you can go to your calendar and something as simple as a happy face or a sad face. Right. And kind of look at trends, you know, or we, wow, for every happy day, happy mm -hmm. face day, we have four sad face days. So yeah. I found that with in a lot of people's <laughs> minds, including my own, um, being able to kind of quantify instead of thinking like, well, you know, they're still eating, but putting it on that calendar and having that visual representation really helps to, you know, be like, whoa, hey, wait a second there's a lot more of these frowny faces than there are of yeah. these happy faces. So I, I like that idea. It, I think it helps to quantify and mm -hmm. kind of make sense in our brains for sure. Yeah. Um, and a journal, you know, just keeping a journal of, wow, well, what did my pet do today? Well, he ate breakfast, mm -hmm. but then he didn't care when I got home from work. Uh, my son wanted to throw the ball and he didn't want to get up and do that. So just because he, you know, ate breakfast, doesn't mean that was a great day for him. Right. So, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And I would say the next kind of thing that we'd be looking at is we talk about our pet's quality of life um, and then kind of assessing our own quality of life too. So yeah, moving so into that. That can be really tough because once you think all the focus should be on your pet. So your pet has kidney disease, your pet has cancer, um, and it feels selfish to think about what your own quality of life is going to look like in the next couple of months. But just remember, you need to think about how much time do I have to devote to my pet? Um, uh, what costs, you know, will incur? What other financial responsibilities do I have besides caring for my terminally ill pet? Um, what other responsibilities do I have? Children, like, you know, jobs. Um, do I have anyone that can help me? That's a, you know, you're allowed to reach out for help for your pet. You would ask for help with your child. So, um, and just what other stressors and obligations do I have? Right. And so assessing your own life doesn't diminish the love or care that you're giving to your pet, Agreed. but it just helps to make some, and, and it can be difficult to make decisions based on financial limitations, but right. Um, you have to remember all that you've already done for your pet and you're still exactly. doing for your pet. <clears throat> exactly. For sure. Um, again, another quick reminder, this is a call-in show. So if you have any questions about the topic that we're having today or that we're discussing today, um, you can reach us here at 963-2976. Um, so moving right along, kind of going through this process of end-of-life stuff, um, we don't really think of pets as having like a hospice care like people do. Mm -hmm. um, what does that look like in the veterinary world to you? <clears throat> yeah, so hospice care for pets is, it's, it's a pretty final thing. If your pet's in hospice, you are admitting that, right. you know, we are, we are looking at the end and we are, um, it's very final. <clears throat> um, it's meant for pets that have three or months 
three months or less to live. It's not meant for just chronic disease patients. So it's founded on just like in human medicine. Um, It just stems from the basic belief that death is not a medical failure, rather that death is the normal and inevitable conclusion to life. Um, So we all want to, it emphasizes pain management and end-of-life care Mm -hmm. and quality of life for these pets um, in their last couple of days. Um, Usually um, in this valley, I'm not, I don't know of any specific hospice programs, but you would reach out to your veterinarian, your veterinary technicians, and they can help guide you um, giving medications, um, helping um, like administer pain medications, um, <clears throat> coming to your house, um, and families have to be involved. Mm-hmm. The other thing to really remember about pet hospice is it has to still follow veterinary standards of care. Right. We can't, exactly. um, you know, we don't overdose opioids and, right. and prescribe excess opioids. And I think that's right. what people kind yeah. of the idea that they get of what hospice care is. But making the family as comfortable as possible, making the pet as comfortable as possible in their last month month of life. So, Yeah, for sure. Um, I actually have a question about that. Like I just told you, my uh, other dog is 14, so he's, Mm -hmm. you know, I kind of am constantly checking in on what his quality of life is like. Um, But I'm curious with the hospice thing, would you suggest hospice over just... um, euthanization like when they're at that point where they only have a few months would you would you recommend hospice over yeah so that's a great question and Uh that's actually our next topic is euthanasia (laughs) um hospice is for people that want to spend more time with their pet Mm -hmm. um we know that the pet is going to pass away from their current diagnosis Mm -hmm. Um, and so hospice care helps families spend more time with their pets and we are keeping the pets comfortable dignified um, and trying to keep their quality of life as owners come to terms with their pets end of life Mm -hmm. so um, some people choose um, with a terminal diagnosis that is their end point right there and they will choose to peacefully let their pet go um, with euthanasia Um, for people that are not ready yet, that's where hospice care can come in and be helpful for okay. families and pets. Yeah, so. that, that makes a lot of sense. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, cause yeah. With, yeah, my dog, he's not, um, he doesn't have a terminal illness or anything. Mm-hmm. He's just old. Old. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, and yeah, bad days and good days. So yeah. um, I really like that idea of marking down, like the other day it was, it seemed like a really bad day, but then, yeah, the next day he was, you know like he seemed normal again you know so yeah so counting your happy faces and sad faces it's helpful it's helpful to know because we like to remember the good days yeah and kind of tune out the bad days so (laughs) yeah totally well thank you i feel like this episode has like directed at me so thank you (laughs) all right so yeah kind of segueing into that um when should we decide on euthanasia and is there is it is there ever too early too late yeah so this is probably the most difficult decision a pet owner can make um 100 yes so and i i have some personal just things that i always say to clients like the pain of saying goodbye to your pet is going to be the same Mm -hmm. today next month next year or in five years so prolonging this decision does not help with your pain of missing your pet and saying goodbye to them um thinking about 
the actual euthanasia and what you want it to look like, what who's going to be there, who will perform the euthanasia, do you want your long-time veterinarian, would you rather not have them present, would you mm -hmm. rather have someone that you don't know, um, where would you like it to be, did mm -hmm. your, you know, if you want your pet in your backyard on a blanket and that was their favorite place or do you not want to remember your pet passing at home some people right. really just want to to come to the vet and and do it there and there's no wrong decisions there is nothing wrong with what anyone decides i was about to add there's not really a, a wrong way to right do so but once if you start thinking about it beforehand and what you want that sad day to look like it can just help you feel a little more in control of the situation um, a lot of the anxiety from euthanasia comes from not knowing what it's going to look like right. not knowing what your pet is what's going to happen uh, your veterinarian can can really explain to you um, what what will happen it mm -hmm. is very peaceful it is not painful it is a, a lovely way to go and it's exactly one of my number one reasons for wanting to be a veterinarian instead of a human doctor we we right. can end suffering and that is a lovely gift right. um another thing to start thinking about is um what are your wishes about body care mm -hmm. we um, there's cremation services you can uh bury your pet um <clears throat> and then just things and that a lot of people don't think about is how will you care for yourself after right. you say goodbye to your pet? Do you need family members around you? Would you rather be alone? Do you need a ride to the vet clinic? Um, right. So a lot of those things. The The goal here is to minimize regrets of, right. of the day that you say goodbye to your pet. Exactly. Um, you don't want to look back on it and say, gosh, I really wish we had done this or we hadn't done this. You just want it to be as peaceful of um, as yeah. possible. So exactly it's it's a really big deal yeah it's that you know that biggest decision that you ever have to make um something i'd like to add about euthanasia that i like to explain to people is with oh go ahead oh excuse me <laughs> um something that i would like to add just about euthanasia is that a lot of times i like to explain that euthanasia kind of derives from i believe it's the greek terminology um you meaning good and then thanos meaning death so we're giving them a, a a good good thing basically kind of emphasizing your your gift of being able to help them choose so um again this is a call-in show today so if you guys have any questions go ahead and give us a call that number is 963-2976 um so segueing again through our little journey through end of life um talking about grieving and that what that process looks like because again it's that really big decision that you have to make um what does that process look like does it look different for everybody or yeah i definitely think everyone grieves differently and um it, this is a such a tough thing because your love for your pet is very uncomplicated. So there's mm -hmm. no negatives when you're thinking back, like you don't care that they ate one of your shoes. Like there's no grudge holding, you know, <laughs> right. through, through, for love of your pet. Um, so I think the first thing to do is actually giving yourself permission to grieve. A lot of right. people think that grieving an animal is just, well, you should just get over it. You know, they're dogs and they're, <laughs> yeah. pet, you know, but, um, you need to give yourself permission. You have experienced a tremendous loss. So um, you need to surround yourself with people 
that understand that you need to not listen to people who might negate or you know make your grief seem like it's not worthy Um, you need to acknowledge and express your feelings this can really help you just release some of this negative energy that you have Um, talk with people you trust journaling can help some people Um, just projects of like photo projects of your dog just whatever helps your cat or your pet um, whatever helps Mm -hmm. you just really acknowledge like how sad you are exactly Um, and again going back to like what's helped you in the past like identifying what's been helpful for you for your losses in the past like you've you've gotten through a lot of things in life and look back on those those skills Um, another thing is giving yourself permission to like backslide like you know, a month or two has gone by, you're feeling pretty good. And then all of a sudden, it's, you know, oh, it's the first snowfall. And every year, the first snowfall, we would have done this, that's going to be a really tough day. And just give yourself, you know, the first time you don't fill the food bowl, the first time you don't get greeted when you come home. Um, Those are tough. And you think you're doing great. And then all of a sudden, these things happen. And that is so normal to um, just to go back right where you were on day one. So being patient with yourself, um, just go easy. Do something that brings you joy. Um, Being happy after you euthanize your pet is okay. Like Mm -hmm. your dog, your golden retriever doesn't want you to sit home and cry all day long for, you know, the next couple of months. So, um, and this is a funny, not funny thing, but people don't consider the level of grief that you may feel. Um, people do go into complicated grief, um, which can need, um, outside therapy. There are therapists who can help with, um, with pet loss and grief and moving on. There's definitely not a problem with that either. Cause like you said, like we've been saying, it's, it is a big deal. We're, we're saying goodbye to someone that's been with us for 12, 13 years of our lives. So there's a lot there for sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, another thing that we, um, that I, I think most vet clinics will offer are, um, you know, it's little memorials that you can do for your pets, you know, that can look different for everybody. Like, um, kind of a standard thing is doing a paw print of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are some ways that you've seen people memorialize their pets? Yeah, I've seen, so we do, you know, paw prints, ink prints. I've seen um, more and more people getting tattoos of their dogs, um, like a mm-hmm. nose print of, you know, yeah. their their nose or their cat's little nose, um, paw print tattoos. Yeah. Um, the Christmas card that year might have a photo of your pet and yeah. that, you know, just some people like to make memory books, you know, yeah. still going on your favorite walk and maybe trying to like mentally reconnect with your yeah. pet. Um, exactly. yeah. So exactly. those things can all be helpful. Yeah. And then I guess, um, one of the other things thinking about, you know, saying goodbye is, um, you know, with children, um, that can look a little bit complicated sometimes, but I think we're out of time today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we are running out of time, but, uh, Thank you. Yeah, of course. Very helpful for me. I hope it was helpful for all of you out there. Um, Well, thank you you so much. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.